big thank you as always to Myra Green for her music from her composition Passing Places. You can find out more about Myra Green from following the link on bonnytours.com to Myra's website. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Passing Places. I say every week it's my personal diary. It's my personal podcast about my travels around Scotland, mainly by motorhome. I keep saying by motorcycle and maybe one day soon and with some hill walking thrown in as well. So you join me, I'm over on the Mullavkin Tyre, favourite little campsite of mine, it's called uh, Musdale, Musdale, that's maybe how the locals say it, I'm not sure, Mosdale, anyway, that's where I am and it's uh, turning into a lovely day, I got here yesterday afternoon, late afternoon and the beautiful sunny day and a fantastic sunset last night and I'm going to be joined later on this evening uh, by my sister Katie and her husband Dermot, so nice weekend to look forward to. Sitting in the van, five second walk to the beach, so it's absolutely perfect. So I've got a few shout outs for you this week. Not many because, as I say, this week's really just a, a quick uh, catch up on what I've been doing. Before we get into them, one thing I'd say about the podcast as well is uh, I think one of the things that seems to work is when I do some outside recording so I'll try really hard to bring you some sounds of Scotland next week because this week's episode doesn't really have a major theme or a topic it's really just a quick diary review of what I've been doing so bear with me and next week we'll try and get some more interesting um, outdoor recording done for you so we'll get into the shout outs and uh, we'll uh, see what we've been up to this week so I'd like to first of all apologise to um, caravan man uh, David now I think I took a little note down when I read his comments and I somehow managed to completely leave him off last week's uh, shout out but David is a an avid um, caravan owner and he was asking me if um, caravan owners were welcome and of course of course you are David many people listen to the podcast are neither motorhome owners motorcyclists nor caravan owners and I think we have everything in between, so you're very, very welcome. And it'd be great to catch up with you one day when you're travelling around Scotland, particularly if you're in your classic um, E-Type Jag, which you mentioned you're a classic car enthusiast. So uh, by all means, let's meet up. That sounds like uh, good fun. I'd also like to mention somebody on Twitter, um, Carrie. Her Twitter handle's um, at lady underscore Carrie. And she's been uh, really nice uh, with her comments about the podcast. And I believe she's now listening. So, hi Carrie, and uh, hopefully we'll keep in touch on Twitter. So let's get into a quick review of uh, what happened after I left Orkney. I was come over, coming over on the early morning ferry from St Margaret's Hope. But the thing I wanted to mention on the ferry over, and I forgot to mention it in last week's episode, is the route that the ferry goes... Uh, between St Margaret's Hope and Gills Bay, just off the coast of the mainland about a mile, so nearly as we came off the ferry, uh, you pass the small island of Stroma. And it's a very, very, it's a very, very sad island. And I say that because it's only a mile and a half, probably in length and maybe a mile wide. And as you pass by on the ferry, you see scattered across 
the island. Dozens upon dozens of small cottages and houses. Many look uh, perfectly fine until you get a little bit closer and you realise they've got no windows. Some have got no doors. Uh, most of them have still got the roofs. And you realise that this island has somehow been abandoned. And the story of Strom is that in the 18th, sorry, in the 1800s, the population was about uh, five or six hundred people, and it was a thriving community, and it relied on all the the fruits of the sea, really, and some livestock on the island, and it was to some extent, or to a large extent, self-sufficient. It was a very close close knit community, and the Pentland Firth has a fierce reputation as a stretch of water, and either side of Stroma. There are really, really strong currents. In fact, there's a really dangerous uh, whirlpool just on the north side of Stroma. I think it's marked by a, a lighthouse these days. But the population dwindled. Now, I've talked before about the Highland Clearances, but the, the population of Stroma came under pressure as people sought better opportunities on the mainland and beyond. And by the early 1900s, the population was down to maybe 350 or so. But that was the beginning of the end, really, because throughout this the 20th century, the population declined further as people left for employment and opportunities elsewhere. And the last remaining uh, few families left by about 1962. Uh, they were attracted by the jobs that were available at Dunray, the nuclear uh, research centre in power, plant that was being built on the north coast at uh, Thurso. So Stroma finally gave up its population and ironically it was only around the late 50s into 1961, 62 that they'd built a, a new harbour to allow boats to land. So as I said at its peak the population of Stroma was in between five and six hundred people and if you think of the island uh, a community built over centuries and they had their own church, and whether they all managed to cram into that church at the one time, there were lots of uh, people there. And to see it now completely deserted, one of the things that really struck me was the graveyard. There's a graveyard that you can see on the side of the ferry that the, sorry, on the side of the island that the ferry passes. And, you know, it just seemed really, really odd or sad that when you see a graveyard, which is to commemorate the dead, and you look beyond the graveyard and in every direction you see houses that are dead and you see an island which in terms of people and community is dead and it just seems almost impossible to believe that an island a mile from the mainland could have suffered that fate when you see the success of islands like um, Gia and other small communities in Scotland thinking the island of Egg which at one time I remember only had a population of 60 or so and it was part of a community buyout and the community on Gia and Egg are both making a really, really positive go of revitalising their economies and developing their community and making the islands uh, completely economically viable again. So that's Stroma. So if you're on the north coast, you can pick up a small boat from uh, John O'Groats to go over and have a wander around the island. I believe the houses are, some of them still have their furniture and bits and pieces in them. It's almost a, a living graveyard. 
and there's a, a bit of a nature side to the whole trip as well because Stroma's become a bit of a, a nature reserve as well now. So have a good look out for Stroma if you're on that north coast. You'll, if you ever do go to John O'Groats you'll see Stroma from the harbour. So I mentioned John O'Groats there. I decided as you come off the ferry at uh, Gills Bay, it's only a five, ten minute drive to John O'Groats. And John O'Groats is a place uh, I really do avoid. I haven't been there for years. But I thought I'd drop in because I'd heard over the years that there's been further development on the the site and uh, given it was so nearby. So early morning, beautiful day, and I went down to John O'Groats and sure enough, uh, there's all sorts of ad hoc tourist type development there as well as a couple of big car parks so you can pick up your uh, tartan rug you can pick up your Caithness candles and you can visit tourist information you can go to the toilet and you can watch a whole range of people getting on their bicycles to uh, in their excitement to do the John O'Groats to Land's End cycle you might even find people late in the day arriving tired at the end of their uh, south to north trip. So I don't want to be too negative about John O'Groats, but it is a bit uh, tacky. Um, it's only claim to fame is this fact that it's on the most northerly point of the mainland. But I was sitting there in my van and I'm, I was watching the cyclists getting ready to go and, you know, they couldn't really contain their excitement, which is totally understandable. They'd probably had a long journey north to get to the starting point. But it just struck me that uh, I know the roads down through Scotland and I lived in England for maybe eight years in total and we all know how busy England has become as well as the central belt of Scotland in relation to traffic and no matter how imaginative you are in planning your route to do John O'Groats Land's End I just thought they're going to be spending so many hours in the saddle with a queue of traffic behind them not least of all because they had a support uh, van with them which would be crawling along at uh, 10 miles an hour I thought you'd be breathing in exhaust fumes and anyway I don't want to be too negative the thing that struck me was the smile on my face was the fact that I was heading out of John O'Groats and taking a right along the northwest coast I decided again in a bit of a, a manic moment to head for Durness which is one of my favourite places and I just knew that over the next day or two I would be passing through some of the most spectacular countryside in Scotland, if not Britain, and it would be traffic free. Now, if you do get the chance to cycle seven, eight hundred miles, a couple of weeks in the saddle, and you're considering John O'Groats to Land's End, why don't you think about cycling around Scotland, or the Highlands, or the Northwest Corner, or up through the Western Isles and beyond, because it is complete enjoyment in, in relation to, to being traffic free. So that's my little tip of the day. Don't do John O'Groats to Land's End. Uh, another thing st struck me that uh, quite sad was, you know, there's this sort of symbolic, you've reached the end of... For some people they must think it's almost the end of Scotland. And in all this buzzing excitement around John O'Groats to Land's End, you just turn your head through 180 degrees and there's Stroma, part of Scotland, completely dead. Unless you happen to be a sheep enthusiast. So, 
John Groats isn't the end of Scotland, and maybe nobody suggested that apart from me in the last five seconds. But uh, coming off Orkney, you already feel you've come quite a bit far south. And of course, we've arrived still get Shetland to visit. So I ramble on. So I left John Groats. I didn't stay long, and I headed along the north coast, and it's a uh, Quite a few hours drive, given the single track road to uh, round Loch Erebol. And as I went through, I passed through Betty Hill. And I think I mentioned last week's episode that uh, I'd been in touch with a few people off one of the motorhome forum sites, a chap called Vernon. And his friends were going round Scotland in uh, four vans. And the week, the, the weekend that I'd gone up to Orkney, I was sort of thinking I might stall for a day or two, see if I could get hold of them by text and meet up before I went to Orkney. But that didn't work out, so... But as I was heading towards Durness, I thought, from what they told me before, they were probably already round that northwest corner and heading south. But equally, they might be on the north coast. So that was just in the back of my mind. And as I came down into Tongue, and the Kyla Tongue is, again, a spectacular location, there's the causeway which goes over the Kyle of Tongue, and there's a parking area there which I have sometimes stopped in for a cup of tea or just to admire the view. And I could see a whole number of uh, motorhomes or camper vans. And as I got nearer, the number dwindled, and I realised it was four vans. And I thought, well, that might just be them. So I pulled into the the um, car park and I went over and said, "Is." <laughs> Any chance one of you called Vernon? And, uh, of course, it turned out it was the group. By chance, I'd uh, managed to catch up with Vernon. And I was introduced to Mark, to Carol and to Anne. And Skid met the dog, the sort of um, sheepdog called Mia. And it was uh, quite a warm day, a bit of cloud on the hills. The, the tops hadn't come out on Ben Hope and Ben Loyal, but... Uh, they made me a cup of coffee and I'd brought some cakes, which I happened to have in the van, and we had a good blether for two or three hours. We wandered along the beach, and Skid and Mia had a fantastic time running through the very, very soft sand, chasing each other for a bit of a game. And at one point I was thinking whether I would continue back the way I'd come with uh, Vernon and his group. They were heading for Thurso. But I'd already just come through that way, and it, you know, it's a couple of hours in the, in the van. So we said our goodbyes and uh, said we'd keep in touch. And uh, I said I'd mention them on the podcast. So it was really good to catch up with you, and Vernon, Mark, Carol, and Anne, and Mia. And I'm sure that we'll manage to do that again sometime soon. So I was heading for Durness, the campsite at Durness. It's on the north coast, and. The campsite's up on the cliff top and you can drop down onto the, well not literally drop down, but you can walk down to the beach, lovely beach at Durness as well and I just really, really like the place. So on your way through you, you, you just cover some majestic scenery around Loch Erebol and uh, when I got to Durness, I mean the day, the weather was really lovely. I was sitting out in the grass and the sunshine and I had uh, two or three German uh, vans for company and I was just really really pleased I'd made the effort to go around 
So I got up in the morning with the prospect of a very long drive. Normally I would go around the northwest coast and take in all the villages down, right down to Ullapool and the scenery that goes with it. But I wanted to try and get to um, Bridge of Orkey or more um, specifically the Inverone Hotel by around tea time. So I decided I would continue around anti-clockwise, but on the way down, if you look at the map, you'll see a place called Laxford Bridge or Laxford Junction, and you swing a left there for Lairg. It's a less popular road for me to take, but it's actually quite scenic in its own right. You wander down past a number of locks to the, the small town of Lairg, and I think it took me two hours plus to get to Lairg from Durness. And from Lairg, I just continued on down to Bona Bridge. I used to fish the Kyle of Sutherland, so I've got some fond memories of there. Um, over the bridge at Bona Bridge and up over what we used to, well, still call the Strewy, which is a almost a, a road that cuts out Tain and takes you down just out the south side of Allness and then went down round through Dingwall and Bewley and over the back road to Drumna Drocket so I could miss out Inverness. Down the, the loch side and who do I meet but the cyclists that I'd seen in the um, car park at uh, John and Groats. And a funny thing I forgot to mention, when that group set off, the there's a bit of a slope coming out of uh, John and Groats for the first quarter mile or half a mile. I think it was five or six of them, but anyway, the chap at the front was pedalling away and there's a guy at the back and he's shouting up to the guy in front, hey, slow down, mate, slow down, mate. It's not a race, you know. It was like, uh, he said, we need to keep together. And the chap at the front saying, I'm just getting into my rhythm. I thought, they're less than three minutes into a fortnight in the saddle. And uh, I thought, these these giant, these guys are going to fall out. So anyway, I wish them all the best. I'm uh, thinking they're probably just about finishing their, their cycle now in Land's End. Or maybe they've finished already, or they'll be finishing soon. But as I came down the... There's a strait just south of Fort Augustus and I'd had a 15 minute wait because the in Fort Augustus because the um, lock gates were open to allow some uh, yachts to pass through so there was a big, big traffic jam in uh, Fort Augustus, bank holiday weekend and when I finally got through Fort Augustus hit this second traffic jam and here's the Here's the support vehicle and the cyclists on a bank holiday weekend with the A82 completely almost gridlocked. <laughs> and I thought, oh, imagine cycling, feeling responsible in part for that, but every, you know, time a vehicle overtakes you in second gear and the driver puts their foot down, you get a big blast of exhaust fumes in your face. So I won't be doing, I think you probably guessed by now, I won't be doing John O'Groats to Land's End on my bicycle. I haven't done any serious cycling for a couple of years, three years now. I cycled across England two or three years ago, which was a, a few hundred miles, and two or three years before that I, I did a sort of 350 mile cycle around Scotland with some friends and I put the route together and it was 99% plus traffic free, so... I've had some experiences of cycling 60, 70 miles a day, but I'm nowhere near fit enough to do it just now, so I'll need to get back into it. Anyway, back to where I was. 
down through uh, Fort Augustus and down the side of uh, uh, Loch Ness and into Fort William, which wasn't too bad actually for a bank holiday weekend. Straight through Fort William and down through Glencoe and I finally arrived in uh, at the Inverorden Hotel, which is a very small hotel that most people would miss because as you come down past Bridge of Orkey on the 82 you have to take a right if you're heading south and maybe four miles round the side of the hill there's a tiny little house hotel called the Inverorden. I arrived there about five, half past five, so a good six hours, six hour plus journey and my friends had been walking if I thought I'd had a tough day, they had been walking from the Drovers Inn on Loch Lomond side uh, all the way up to Green Larrach through Tyndrum to Bridge of Orkey to Inverorden. I'm guessing about 20 miles on the West Highland Way and they hadn't arrived so I sat out in the sunshine with a pint of lager and was quite happily enjoying the sunshine and they pitched up about half an hour later and we ended up with a great evening in the little tiny bar at the back of the Inverorden Hotel. Uh, my friend Martin I hadn't seen for probably a year and his other friend uh, John and uh, Doug, I think his name was, was there and they were all looking pretty fit and the only thing about the West Highland Way I would offer in terms of advice I've walked it a few times is not so much the stamina and the distance, it's the feet. Uh, the lock side in particular can be very demanding on your feet as you come up Loch Lomond side. So most people, if they overdo the mileage in the early days, they they have blisters and that is really uncomfortable and uh, not much fun if you're walking. So if you're doing the West Highland Way, for some strange reason, people realise it can be done in five days and a lot of the guys in particular, a bit of uh, testosterone kicks in and they want to do it in five days, I would uh, seriously suggest that you do the West Highland Way in a minimum of six days, if not seven days, if not eight days. Take your time, wander along, there's loads of little gems just off the walk, take a day off, instead of marching all day, just uh, as we say in Scotland, take your shoes off, or your boots off, take your socks off and dip your feet in the little burn and stop, take some photographs, just relax. I've seen so many people on the West Highland Way who come in stooped and sore and they do a good impression of being wounded throughout their stay. They come down for breakfast hobbling down the stairs, they get up for breakfast and they can hardly stand and then they go out and they walk another 20 miles. So it's a challenge the West Highland Way if you're not a regular long distance walker but challenges should also be enjoyed. They don't have to be that difficult so add an extra day or two on it'll make all the difference. So I was up uh, with early on the following morning. The, the lads wanted off early because they wanted to finish early. So we had breakfast. I had a cooked breakfast in the hotel. Slept out in the van for the evening. Had a cooked breakfast and they headed off on their trek to Kinloch Leven. And there's a tiny little stone bridge at uh, the Inverorden. And I sat in the little bridge for half an hour with my feet over the edge watching the burn of the river underneath beautiful sunny morning and if I'm honest life was pretty pleasant but I then headed off from Inverore and I was thinking it's a bank holiday weekend I really don't want to be anywhere near here I don't want to be on the Loman side I don't want to be in Glencoe but I'm a little bit trapped 
and I'd heard there was a, another huge uh, charity sponsored cycle event coming up beside Loch Lomond so they were expecting quite significant uh, traffic jams and delays on Loch Lomond side so I was thinking where can I find a quiet spot just to lie low for 24 hours so I ended up headed down to Green Larrick which is not far from Bridge of Orkey and picked up some provisions and I parked up in the, the lay-by or the car park for uh, a group of hills just south of um, Green Larrick. Hello, good morning. You join me on a lay-by near Green Larrick. It's uh, half past five in the morning and I'm just having a coffee. I thought it was half past six when I checked my phone for the time, so it's another uh, reminder I need to get my eyes tested. So it's uh, a horrible morning in Scotland and it's the bank holiday sting in the tail for uh, a big uh, thought goes out to all those campers who are having to pack their tents away this morning and most of them will be heading south, but that's the problem in Scotland, the weather changes so quick. A glorious morning yesterday, I was sitting half past eight in the morning on a, a little bridge watching the burn flow underneath, you know, sitting in the sunshine and uh, 24 hours later or just less than 24 hours later we're sitting in heavy rain and low cloud and mist and skid because it's first thing in the morning is hyper, he's desperate to get another day under his belt, aren't you skiddy boy? So the big news today is that we're going down to Dumbarton, which is about an hour's drive. And my sister Sarah and her husband Kenny have come over from Australia. And I haven't seen them for a few years. So that's going to be great to catch up here for a few weeks. So we'll have a good chinwag later today. So we've got uh, a few hours to kill. We don't want to doorstep them too early in the morning. We'll go down there about 10 o'clock. So... We'll uh, take it easy this morning. As I say, the people who are camping are going to have to have a wake up to that lovely sound of the rain on the tent. And it is a nice sound, but it's when you've got to pack everything away in the heavy rain and head home and then you've got wet tents to deal with and bank holiday traffic. So it's one of the benefits. It sounds a bit smug, but one of the benefits of a motorhome is the rain doesn't really have any effect on you other than you can't really get out and do things so we'll just sit tight we've got the heating on briefly just to warm the van up a little bit and uh, I haven't got any plan for the week ahead I really should check in at home I haven't really been home for four or five weeks and the mail will be piling up behind the door so we should probably do that at some point and then maybe see if we can put you on eBay, Skid. Hey? Maybe somebody would take you. Get you off my hands. Hey? Or do you think I should keep you? Hey? We'll just keep you, will we? Yes, good boy. It's too early for your breakfast. Yeah. Too early for your breakfast. Hey. It's good, uh, this is his way of talking, it's like a, it sounds like a growl, but it's a, it's just a continual nudging my fingers trying to 
What is it you want, eh? Hmm? What are we doing today? What are we doing today? Yeah, so... Horrible wet day in Scotland, skiddy boy. Horrible wet day. So I did meet my sister and uh, brother-in-law, Sarah and Kenny, at Dumbarton. I spent the day there. And when I left them, I headed back into the van and decided I would head back up north yet again. And in my sights is where I've ended up, which is the Mull of Kintyre. But on the way uh, out Dumbarton, I just uh, thought I'll, I'll spend the night on Loch Lomond side. There's a number of places to stop off. And I got up in the, the morning and headed, retraced my steps down to Balloch, to McDonald's. So you've already picked up, I'm in a grumpy old episode here. I've had a, a go at uh, cyclists in a funny way. I've had a go at people who do the West Island way too quick. I've had a go at uh, John O'Groats, so may as well have a go at McDonald's. I really don't like McDonald's. But uh, they, do, <laughs> they do have free Wi-Fi, and their coffee is actually quite palatable, so... I went into McDonald's and I don't think the, the guy behind the counter had any idea what I really wanted. He was looking at me thinking, is he a Big Mac guy? Is he a McMuffin? Well, it must have been breakfast. I think you call it a breakfast menu. Let's try to think, what was he going to go for? And I'm staring straight through the guy thinking, I'm here to download podcast episodes. I need Wi-Fi. I should have checked my phone in the window. I need to ask for the Wi-Fi. So we were in... Completely different places. So he said, uh, you know, what would you like? I said, can I have a cappuccino? So I had a coffee and I sat down and I got the phone out and I got my Wi-Fi eventually after telling McDonald's my life story, which I've told you in the last uh, 20 minutes. Date, birth, uh, email, uh, age, all sort of everything. But anyway, I managed to uh, get back up to speed with all my subscriptions to podcasts, uh, check some email, and then I headed off in the van one thing I forgot to mention, and this is this will make sense, is I, I make mistakes every week in the podcast. And and it's because I forget. I actually forget the fact that I was going to tell you or I get it the wrong way around. And I don't like to keep notes. I have a little list on my phone of people I want to give a shout-out to. And that's where, I, again, I forget to put people on there sometimes. But I do the little shout-out from my phone and then... I just go at the, the podcast and I think in last week's episode when I don't normally listen to them but uh, I was trying to see what it sounded like on different devices from the iPhone to the iPad to the laptop to headphones and it actually sounds very different on each one but I realised there was a few mistakes in there and that's probably that botanist gin but I'm sure I got my uppies and my downies the story about the scrum and Kirkwall mixed up and uh, you'll find that a number of times I mentioned uh, Silver Sands uh, in the episode before that instead of Point Sands. I think my brother-in-law was pointing out that Silver Sands is a casino. So you should definitely uh, get in touch with me about my mistakes um, and get in touch, full stop. I'm really, really enjoying the feedback from people. Uh, I always keep twisting your arm to have a go at this. Uh, it's called Speak Pipe, but the little voicemail 
service on my website. You can go on there if you've got an iPhone or an iPad, or as long as you've got a speaker on, for instance, your phone, it's got a speaker, sorry, a microphone, built in, or if you're on your laptop, it's normally got a built-in microphone, you can leave me a voicemail, and I'll play it on the podcast. So let's uh, bring this brief update of my diary over the last week to a close, and just remind you that you can contact me at uh, at Bonnie Tours on Twitter, uh, jump on to bonnietours.com to the website and leave a comment or two. And on Facebook, you can find the podcast by typing in Passing Places Podcast in the search box. So I'm really pleased how the podcast is going and the number of uh, people are downloading it. And as I say, the contact I'm having from you, the listener. So I'll have the uh, another story to tell next week and not sure where from but I'll make the effort to get some sounds of Scotland on next week's episode rather than just my voice so hopefully one day soon I'll bump into you if you're on your travels around Scotland and in the meantime stay safe and thanks again for listening (laughs) 